welcome to Horrible Friends. Uh, this is a podcast, kind of like a book club, uh, all about horror movies. Uh, our general uh, play here is that we are going to talk about, uh, give a little background on the movie. We're going to talk about the plot. We are going to uh, talk about the uh, cinematics, uh, the special effects, the sound and music, and then kind of give you our own take on how we feel about the movie uh, and then close things out. Uh, I believe this week our good friend here, uh, Dan, is going to take over and do the uh, plot summary and brief uh, overview. What you got, Dan? Well, before before we do that. Oh, Let's introduce ourselves. Um, I guess so. Uh, my name's Kyle. <laughs> uh, my name's Mike. I am Dan. I'm Jarvis. And I'm Chris. And now back over to Dan. All right, back to me. Good. You've all been waiting. Okay, so this week we got Slumber Party Massacre from 1982. Ooh. This movie is directed by Amy Holden Jones. And it was written by Rita Mae Brown. This movie's budget was approximately $250,000 at the time of filming, which approximately is about mm, $660,000, somewhere around there. And other movies that this came up with was we have Creep Show, Amityville 2, Friday the 13th 3, Halloween 3, and uh, one that we've never heard of, I'm sure of, which is The Thing. So, yeah, that's thing. what we have for that. So let's jump right into the plot. Uh, I'm going to give full credit to Chris for writing this amazingly written out plot. Oh, shout out to Chris. Shout out to Chris. Um, Dick's out for Chris. Uh, Dick's out for Chris. It's always out. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so we open with a paper boy and an awkward orchestral score throwing for the newspapers with the headline of mass murder of five Russ Thorne escapes. There's our bad guy. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, it was sudden, but I'm cool with it. I'd say that's pretty Dude, much the cliches of horror movies where there's a killer, where it's a newspaper cover of killer escapes. Be careful. He's not going to come up again later. Mm. Yeah, no, completely, completely beside the plot. I tell you wasn't what wasn't completely beside the plot was that badass 80s horror synthesizer. That whole orchestral theme was like, holy shit, man. Like we get right into the 80s vibe. Dude, what was that? Were we watching Fantasia in the beginning of that? (laughs) (laughs) How else do you expect it to know it's the 80s unless there's synthesizer music? Hey, unless you walked into the club with a guitar, you weren't cool. You ain't cool. All right, so we cut to our main character, Trish, who's waking up to the shittiest jump scare on the radio. Uh, Can I also say on this scene, where's her nightstand? Why is her radio on the ground? (laughs) Uh, Hey, man, some of us don't have nightstands, all right? It makes you work for it when the alarm goes off, so you actually have to reach and turn it off. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, everyone bow down to Dan. He can afford a nightstand. Mm. Okay, all right. That's almost like capitalism. That's almost not. (laughs) That's almost like not having a bed frame. Uh huh. I. All right, whatever, guys. All right, so. um, (laughs) So, next we have boobs. 
yeah, I think that hits our, our alarm here, huh? That does hit our alarm. Oh, I forgot. So at the beginning of describing each week, this is our new segment. We have what we call our, oh, I don't have what it's called written down. What is, it's the it nude clock. The nude the clock. The nude clock. So for the nude clock every week, uh, because of the absurdity of doing this podcast for what going on almost two months now, mm. we, we we've seen some absurdity in the amount of boobs that we've seen and the times that we've seen it. So we decided to start a boob clock. And does anyone have what was the boob clock for this one? Or are you nude clock? Sorry, nude clock. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was exactly on the dot. Two minutes on the first nipple. <laughs> this movie comes out swinging frame for frame this guy would know uh, i rewound it <laughs> i needed the exact time and you know i kind of wanted to relive the scene but mm-hmm. yes two minutes uh-huh. to the first nipple <laughs> all right so trish starts packing random dolls and stuffed animals in a bag to throw away because you, you know why not um she she gets called by her mom to say goodbye as her parents are leaving for the weekend. They mentioned that their neighbor, Mr. Content, uh, he'll be mm-hmm. right around the corner just in case they need him. And trust me, it's very important to know that. As her parents leave, Trish heads to school and throws out the bag of dolls and toys. And we see a hand off the screen take the Barbie from the bag, which, of course, it did. Barbies are expensive. Yeah, I just want to go back and say that that neighbor was a gigantic creep. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like day one, don't be a creep. The thing you don't say is, "Don't worry, I'll be around to make sure that the girls don't get in trouble." It's like you don't say that if you don't want to come off as a creep. And there's other things he says throughout this movie that like, yeah, that's something a creep would say. Oh, my, my first note on Mr. Content is Mr. Content, what a cuck. <laughs> you know, honestly, yeah, he was like, he was thin framed. He was just a, a, a skinny boy. And he was just like, don't worry, I'll watch your daughter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he I guess I creepy. was the only one who felt comfortable with Mr. Content. I was like, I was like, Mr. Content could watch me any day. Maui, wowie, this guy's awesome. <laughs> on, this, I, on this episode, Dan is going to enlighten us with some of his childhood trauma. <laughs> i um i hated his name i don't get it is i it, hated everything about this man is he a play on words like is he mr content like i i actually don't know what it is i don't get it either that was just like a half-assed like writing job on his name yeah, yeah it was it was confusing but he, he's definitely a character i'm telling you this movie just comes out with its overtone swinging mm-hmm. so so uh, the, the only thing I wanted to say about this is why did she throw away all this stuff? Why didn't she donate it? What, what's wrong with her? She just throws all of her dolls away. It's the 80s, man. I think it was symbolic of like her throwing away her innocence because now she's going to go drink and smoke Maui Waui at a at a slumber party. Well, she wants to. She wanted to, right, I think right. she wanted to have a party at her place, but we'll get there. Yeah, I don't know how somebody just donates their innocence to Goodwill, but they just <laughs> they, they could throw it away easily. <laughs> All right, so we cut to the high school where we meet two creepy guys named Jeff and Neil. 
who are talking about girls from school and how they heard about a slumber party that Trish is having. Jeff tries to creepily hit on the telephone repair woman to mostly no success. Neil pulls him away, and as they leave, the repair woman, Mary, is pulled into her van and murdered by the man, most likely Thorne. And this is death number one. Can I say, I have to disagree with you, Chris. I think she was super into it, and I wrote down that she's terrifying for hitting on minors. Oh, well, yeah. Yes. I... She wasn't hitting on the minors. They were hitting on her. But she was accepting. She was like, oh, they were like, have you ever been with a young guy before? And she's like, oh, I haven't before. But <laughs> yeah, it was a little creepy. Uh, I do. Bef- before we move on too far, I-, I missed my chance a minute ago. I did want to mention um, as as uh, our main character's parents were leaving, uh, her-, her mom says something like, make sure you're good or something like that. And she goes, Mom, I'm 18. And I felt like that was the... It was some note for all of us to be like, oh, it's okay that we saw her boobs. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. Oh, She's 18. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that was really weird to really point that out. But yes, uh, going to this person. Yeah, it was kind of weird. She was hitting on minors. Don't worry. I'm 18. Here's my ID right here. To prove <laughs> but yeah, the telephone woman one that that was unexpected. Like she got pulled in. I honestly looked away for a second and I was like, oh, shit, she get murdered. <laughs> Also, there was no sound effects like during it. She just pulled in like the music didn't change until the actual murder was happening. Yeah. Also, really good soundproofing in that van. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She was between a rock and a hard place from the start, man. She had a choice. She could have committed statutory rape or be murdered. (laughs) Mary had it the worst. I submit. Yeah. All right. So I think her death was... I think the movie Scream either paid homage or a reference to this movie because in Scream, I believe it was Scream 1, that uh, Gail Weathers is a character in the movie played by Courtney Cox. Her cameraman gets killed by getting pulled into a van in a similar way. So I thought that was kind of a similar thing. Oh, that's cool. Makes you appreciate it a little bit more. Maybe connecting dots over here, people. All right, well, that was death number one, so that happened anyway. So we're going to cut to all the girls in the gym class playing basketball. A bunch of the guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right, do you guys want to talk about the basketball scene? He went on for like an actual six minutes. Like it was it was like a a, like one thirty second of an actual regulation game. Like (laughs) they could have just finished off the movie with this. And I was very invested in that game. I wanted to see who would win. Were you? I'm just, sure you were, Mike. Because the camera shots were in boob, crotch, and butt uh, location. <laughs> no, I had I had money on that game. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say the camera went where the action was because it clearly was not in the athletic ability of those <laughs> women. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm going to say throughout the entire. Th- once we get to my review, my review of this, but this is going to compound to it. I, it just seems like a really sexist scene where it's like women can't play basketball because clearly none of these actors or none of these women could play basketball. Like they're looking down at their feet as they're dribbling. They're missing all their shots. And it's just I, I don't know. The, the whole thing is very uncomfortable to me. Yeah, I but, agree. So it was it was an uncomfortable five minutes. Uh, I I looked away, looked back. I was like, okay, we're still doing this. Okay, all right. <laughs> so a bunch of the guys show up and they cheer on the new girl, Valerie. Trish's friend Diane, Kim, and Jackie seem to be annoyed by Valerie's existence because you know high school. 
And now we get to some more awkward shower shots and mm-hmm. cue the boobs and butts because why not? I got to say, I got to know one of those girls in that butt crack like they uh-huh. were in there. <laughs> yeah, that does. The shot, I think, opens up with a, a towel coming off of like, I, I don't know, one of the characters. And it's, it is just all of the butt. And it's a slow descent through the lower back and then it just fixates on the ass. This cameraman did not give a fuck about this plot at all. Nope. He was there to (laughs) shoot butts and kick ass, man. That's what I got from it. The, what I got out of this was, um, the eighties was weird because they definitely, they shared the, just the raw soap. I think they were just rubbing it on themselves, right? They weren't putting that on like, a washcloth or something. I think they were just rubbing it and sharing. They were like, can you pass the soap? And passing it back and forth. Uh-huh. She washed her ass and passed it to the left. I watched it. <laughs> we we all went through the same high school together. Um, that didn't happen. I don't remember. Well, did it? Mm. I don't think it I did. mean, after school, yeah, but like not during school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you want to talk about your trauma here? Anyway, so I'm going to say I personally don't see issue with using with sharing the same soap because what is soap? Use soap to clean yourself. Okay. If soap, if soap could get dirty and not be shared, you wouldn't use soap to clean yourself. So you're going to say okay. I'm going to rub my uh, lower. Uh, uh extremities and i'm gonna give it to you to wash your face you're cool with that well that's why you're always the first one to use (laughs) (laughs) as soon as you pass it to the left it's not your problem anymore (laughs) all rules are off be at the top of the pedestal is what you're saying (laughs) top of the downhill did anyone else feel creepy about watching a bunch of high school girls in the shower? They were 18. Really they creepy. Were, they, they were, were 18. Like, they all I didn't see everyone's ID, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they kept a very clear precedent. They are 18. I, I will the say parties have been thrown out. I will I mean, say didn't that you hear when they were talking and they were saying Hey, Valerie, you remember last week on my 18th birthday? <laughs> <laughs> I will say that as far as uh, uh, hiring goes and like actor, actress choice, um, they they all seemed plausibly 18 or like high school age. Nowadays, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like you get not. I think I feel like you get like 30 year olds playing like 15 year olds. It's really weird. And I don't like that at all. But like this felt plausibly 18, which is still uncomfortable. But like, it, I don't know. It was weird. Uh, the, the last thing I want to say about this scene is the super cringe, creepy story that Diane told about spiking a baby. I had I to rewind. I'm comfortable about that. <laughs> Yeah, like this is a random, just basically dead baby joke. Yeah, so into an already awkward shower scene. So here's the here's the joke that I, joke or story or whatever. Supposedly they're at someone's at a football game, and she's like, so she throws her baby. She finally throws her baby down to the player, and the guy takes it and he slams it on the ground and goes touchdown, and that's it. That's the whole joke, and then they 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 stop. Well, yeah, nobody liked it. The people around her were like, uh. 
Nobody laughed. We didn't enjoy it. I thought it was building a character of some sort, but I don't I don't remember who she was or why that was important. But I don't that know. Was Diane. How that dare was you? Diane? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Diane does make some poor choices in this movie. This is so, fair. Uh, I would not. Oh, we'll get to those. Concern. There's no shortage of bad choices on Diane's part. All right. So once in the locker room, Trish mentions that she wants to invite Valerie to her party, but her friends bitch and say why we hate her. Valerie hears and walks away upset. What bitches? Dude, that was like they were literally locker neighbors effectively. Like, yeah, like a Val- foot away. <laughs> it's just like a foot away. They're like, do you think she heard us? It might as well have just been, hey, Valerie, we really don't like you, and we'd really hate it if you came to the party tonight. We hate that you're pretty. That's more or less what they were yeah. saying. Uh, it was very, like, stereotypical girl locker room chat, which was, I, I would imagine, that's got to, it's got to be built into the movie on purpose. But if you're going by movie logic, which I I live my life by movie logic, mm-hmm. <laughs> if somebody is not standing directly next to you, you can talk as loud as you want and they can't hear you. Yep. It's like Skyrim logic, right? If you if you crouch behind a guard, then they can't see you. You got to put a basket on his head and steal everything <laughs> and sell it back. Uh, I'd sell my sister if I could. all right so as all the kids leave the school no one seems to notice that the very obvious dead body is in the dumpster that is in no way hidden this is the the phone the phone uh lady Hmm. phone technician lady uh one girl named linda goes back to the locker room to get a book from her locker she gets locked in with the killer and begins the slowest chase and unsatisfying death of the movie this is death number two it's bad. It, was rough. it went on for so long. It did. I, I feel like, again, I feel like this cameraman was just like, let's just follow the, the genes. It was all gene shots to me. I don't know, man. A lot of denim. <laughs> a lot, a of, lot denim. of denim. This scene did go on and on, but also in this scene, we kind of see like that the director is set is now setting the precedent that the murder weapon is this auger fucking drill this yes this <laughs> giant cumbersome impossible to murder a slumber party worth of women weapon and but this is what we're going for yeah, this is sure. now the second person so uh, three things to note one the mario uh the mario level music that was playing <laughs> two as soon as i saw the killer i said that's bruce springsteen uh-huh. uh, <laughs> three why did Linda have to die? She was trying to be responsible. She just went back to get a book to study over the weekend. Yeah, I said that similar to the the, the about the killer. I was like, this is literally like a Johnny Everyman. Like I, know, <laughs> I know one of our listeners will not appreciate this, but this is still not the worst thing Bruce Springsteen's ever done. <laughs> so so Mike's referring to my wife because we're big Bruce Springsteen fans. But as this came on, I told her, I was like, look, it's Bruce Springsteen. And then throughout the whole song, I was like, I look late in the evening. Yeah, he. Uh, we've also just had our entire episode demonetized. Um, but he's. <laughs> yeah, I just I was like, this killer is like nondescript. And I think that was a design choice, and I appreciate it because it was kind of just who is that man? It could just be the dude next door. That's fine. I was cool with it. 
All right. So Diane appears to be being followed by the killer. Psych! It's her creepy as fuck boyfriend, John, who we all love. Uh, he wants her to skip the party and party with him. Wink, wink. Yeah, she has some sweet jujitsu moves, man. Dude, D- John Minor got damn Judy chopped. That's what John Minor got. He got <laughs> flipped. He got straight up flipped. And uh, the next thing I had was uh, fucking Biff, man. That's all I could say. I was like, this guy is such a biff from like the 80s, everything. <laughs> um, so there's one thing that Kristen had put in here that I'm just going to say when the coach goes home and the drill comes through the uh-huh. door, yeah. right? I laughed when she said people. Yep. I mean, I don't know what kind of contractor she is, but to just drill randomly a hole in the door and be like, Yep, I'm done. There's your peephole. Uh, this is one <laughs> I of the, said the same thing. <laughs> yeah. One of the cheap, like, red herring jump scares it throws at you. Hey. That'd be like if I kicked the hole in your ceiling and said, okay, you got that skylight you wanted. <laughs> yeah. Dump. You have really strong legs. Yeah, I, I said that it was it was really odd that she also allowed a... Um, a lot of contractor in the house while she just wasn't there. Like nobody was there. And then I also, uh, I noticed that the, um, the door was completely hollow. That was a hollow front door. Like you could have probably <laughs> licked that door and it would have fallen apart. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's see. So we fast forward to Kim and Jackie showing up at the party with beer and weed. Cause mm-hmm. they're cool high school kids. Right. But let's, uh, let's just say, well, Guys, can can we all say together what is what's that weed called? Maui, 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 seedless. It's seedless Maui, Maui, seedless Maui, Maui. I mean, you did leave out the part where uh, Mr. Constant. I, I was about to say that, and that's uh, thing number two. You, as a creep, you shouldn't say to somebody, "Don't tell your parents I scared you." Yeah, he come- you're creeping around this girl's house. You get caught and it's not something you say. Yeah, you, he, you don't creep around people's houses. He creeps around the house and scares her and goes, I didn't mean to scare you. He just walked in her house. He <laughs> 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 just walked in her house. He's upstairs. Uh, he, when the fuck did he get upstairs? He was, by the way, she, no, she notices someone's in the house and she stops what she's doing for a second and listens and says, oh, well, guess I'll play the piano. And then <laughs> Mr. Content shows up. He was yeah. like, hey, I was smelling your mom's underwear up in, up, up in her room. Uh, sorry. I thought maybe he was looking at the Playgirl magazine, which is going to come up shortly, but maybe. And then she makes him coffee because yep. it's a completely normal exchange between neighbors. It's the 80s. Gotta <laughs> love it. So the the girls come over. Um, Trish lets the girls in. They never bring up that Linda didn't show up, nope. by the way. Just going to throw that out there. Um, so Mr. Mr. Cotton uh, leaves and is like, I won't tell your parents about the Maui Wowie. <laughs> And so we move over to the girls hear noise and go to the kitchen. Trish goes to the sink and gets scared by Diane staring creepy as fuck from the window. Everyone's super on edge in this movie. I don't yeah. like I don't know why. 
Yeah, I um, I have. Was a who's Gordon? Gordon, Gordon is one of the boys, right? Uh, not to my recollection. No, the boys I, I wrote, named Jeff and uh, Neil. I wrote down Gordon with a bunch of ends, so I don't know who that was in this film, but uh, apparently Gordon was important to me. So <laughs> I I, I want to know who Gordon is. So uh, yeah. I don't see him on the cast list at all. Oh, so. Okay. <laughs> this is the mystery I know. <laughs> yeah, can we stop this pod? Hang on. This is really important. Can we stop There's, this podcast? There is not a single soul in the cast list named Gordon. Man, that's it's bad Gordon. on my side, huh? Maybe, I'll find it. I'll I'll put the in the description. I'll, I'll find the uh, the timing you, for this. Were you writing down Muffin? Because that is the name of the cat that does the classic '80s cat scare from the closet. No. Similarly, around this time, I, oh I said I said the cat was fantastic. That was a perfect cat. Um, no, maybe it was a lot of Maui Wowie. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Too much Maui Wowie and Kool Aid. Yep. There was something there's funny. There's so to many me. cats in this. In this movie, when you say Kool-Aid, uh, one of Trish's friends makes a, a Jonestown reference, like a Jonestown joke. And Jonestown happened in 78, and this movie came out in 82. For me, that's too soon to uh, make a joke about the deaths of hundreds of people. I mean, you got to give it at least five years before you make a joke like that. But it just it threw me off. and. Also, when you think about like the way that movies are generally created, it's not it's not right away when they happen. So even in like this movie obviously came out in, in 82, but like it probably started filming in 78. Uh, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, remember last week when hundreds of people died horribly in the, the <laughs> jungle of a South African country? Okay. I do. Yeah, in four years. <laughs> four years, people will forget about it anyway. Kool-Aid. Um, I. There's one line that I want to bring up to all of you that I immediately laughed at and I was triggered. Uh, they were eating chips and they were like, hurry up. This is the best time before Diane gets here and eats them all. And I was like, I'm so triggered because uh, oh, I'm so triggered. <laughs> I yep. mean, die. Those of you that don't know, that's Dan. Uh-huh. I mean, I think this movie's trying to tell you something that you need to get your uh, chip eating under wraps. I, I don't I don't have a problem. <laughs> Uh-huh. All right. So I tell you what, I, I wrote down later that this movie is that it really should be called High School Girls Don't Give a Fuck About Each Other, the movie. And <laughs> it's, pretty, it's a pretty consistent theme throughout the film. Yep. All right. So uh, the creepy dudes, Jeff and Neil, they show up outside and watch the girls get changed from the window. Ew. Um, it was very. So it's at 40s. this time. This is very important. I swear to God, I said that to Tiff. I was like, this is so Porky's rapey AF. Yeah. Gross. All right. But this is the part where we go and we cut back to Valerie and her sister. Weirdest conversations. Um, Valerie's sister. I I can't remember her name right now. Uh, I wrote down somewhere. Courtney. Yeah, here it is. Um, (laughs) Courtney takes Valerie's playgirl and is like looking at naked guys. She catches Valerie catches her reading it, goes upstairs, finds a banana in her bed, and then proceeds to be like, you were beating off boys in the fifth grade. Yeah. What? 
the hell? Yeah. I think you left out the most important part that the cover model of that magazine was none only than Rocky Balboa himself. <laughs> Sly Stallone. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. I, I, I did. Was it? Was it presumptive that she used the banana or that she just left banana in the bed? I I don't know. I don't know. There I was there was a level of it. There was a level of inference that I was not comfortable with. <laughs> that is for sure. Especially I peeled thought, banana. <laughs> I, oh, I, can't, I can't even get into the layers of of disturbed that I was at the thought of that. But, dude, let me tell you, man, like prior to that scene, like what was more disturbing is like, dude, this movie puts you back reading magazines with your sister on a Friday night and a cat on a Friday night. And your cat is drinking like milk from a saucer. I was like, are they going to turn fucking butter next? Like, where am I? <laughs> I think they, I think somebody did show up in a Ford Pinto. Uh, I'm like 80% sure. So yeah, this was, this was eighties, man. This was turning butter. So her sister gets Courtney gets very mad for, I, None of the emotions make any sense, but nope. she gets mad at her sister for saying that she beats off boys in the fifth grade or doesn't say it, whatever. And she's like, I'll get you for this. So we cut back to slumber party. Um, just very quickly going to mention uh, Diane is talking to her boyfriend. They spy on her and she finds out and she says our First Amendment rights are violated. And immediately I went. <laughs> Okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is phenomenal. And we cut back to Valerie going outside, little jump scare moment, and her sister pulls a knife on her. Mm -hmm. Very casual. And, and then casually just joke it off. So this is that by the way, that's around the same time that uh I don't I don't know if I'm skipping ahead, but the boys take out uh what what were the two guys' names? Jeff and Neil. Jeff and Neil. This is this around the same time that Jeff and Neil uh, play a prank on the girls after staring at them changing, um, and they take the fuses from the fuse box in the garage. Coupled couple that with like the knife to the throat prank from sister to sister, I, I feel like all jokes and pranks in the eighties were just acts of aggression. Nowadays, mm -hmm. like there's, it, it's just sheer acts of violence. No, it's just it's just a prank, bro. Yeah, I don't think that has changed much because it's just a prank, bro. It's just a prank, bro. It's just a prank, bro. What are you getting mad for? It's just a prank, bro. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> so the girls decide to order pizza and Diane goes, I may have jumped around just a little bit, but we'll get back. So the girls decide to order a pizza and Diane goes out to the garage to get wood for the fireplace and gets scared by their neighbor, Mr. Content, who is naturally killing snails with a cleaver. <laughs> I mean, yep. how else are you supposed to kill snails besides with a cleaver? That's like weapon choice number one to kill snails. That was literally says, his reasoning. He says it himself. <laughs> what better, what, what, what better way to kill snails than with a uh, cleaver? And she agreed. She said, my dad hunts snails all the time. I agree with you. Our, <laughs> Do you want to borrow my dad's snail cleaver? <laughs> Double fisted? You don't borrow another man's snail cleaver. Come on. Yeah, you don't do that. He didn't even say anything when he walked up behind her. He just slammed the cleaver down and was like, oh, hello there, Diane. <laughs> Hope I didn't scare you. He's the biggest red herring in this movie because... <laughs> 
you you think that he's gonna either come into play in the end, but no, immediately after he kills his like eighth snail and Trish goes back inside, uh, the killer gets to him too. Yeah. Uh, it was his 53rd snail that he had just got done killing. And he had just lined up number 54. He did I'm say sorry, that. I underestimated his snail skilling ability. And Mr. Content never got number 54. He's taken too soon <laughs> from us. And this is he a himself was number 54. This is another uh, thing that we want to bring into to our podcast. Uh, snail killing. Uh, where are you guys at? What, what's the number you guys have for this week? No, that should be the spoopy scale. How many uh, dead snails <laughs> out of 54? Uh, you know what? That That's it. That's it this week. Yep. yep. You heard it here. <laughs> you heard it early. But, All right, keep going. They did talk about organic so, anyway. stuff. Uh, they, I just want to throw that out there. 80s was real weird because they were uh, he was like, yeah, it's the only way to kill a snail. And then uh, she was like, yeah, my dad does it, too. And he's like, yep, only organic way to do it. So this is going to be death number three. Yep. Uh, Trish goes to close the window and sees the Barbie from earlier covered in blood and stabbed into the window with Mr. Constance Cleaver. And everyone is worried for all about two seconds. <laughs> Uh, so let's fast forward a little bit and the lights go out and it turns out that the creepy guys, Neil and Jeff thought it would be funny, uh, to turn the lights out on them. (laughs) Good one, guys. Diane's boyfriend shows up and she tells them to pull his car into the garage so they can make out. John wants to go all the way, but Diane is like, no, not here, bro. No, he does say, I'm going to pull my car into the garage. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. He was up up front. He was. Uh, Yeah, I I noticed that there was a very mega close-up of a nipple. Uh, I have in my notes, creepy ginger dude rubbing areola. (laughs) Hey, now. (laughs) That's the scene. You're all, if you haven't watched the movie, now you have. That's that's the scene. <laughs> that, that was the scene. Not Kyle. Not all gingers are creepy. It's just this guy was creepy. We have that picture that we've shared 50 <laughs> times. Yeah, it, he was the best. I, I do want to make a mention and maybe we can talk about it a little bit later. But the the use from the, the the director used males in this film so perfectly. She just shat on them constantly of like what secondary characters the, all of these males are. It was it was perfect. And this guy was just like I said, it, he was such a biff. He was just a lughead. And yeah, uh, he somehow convinces the, the, the girl to continue somehow. So specifically, the face we're talking about is 44 minutes and 40 seconds in uh, for any of our listeners who want to go straight to there uh, to the world's cringiest grin. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So she leaves to go tell Trish that she's leaving with John to get a beer. Sex, wink, wink. And as soon as she leaves, John gets a drill to the neck. And this will be death number four. She comes back to the car and surprise, John's dead. She sees Thorne. And instead of just getting out of the car, she starts honking the horn and screaming. She comes back to the car and surprise, John is dead. She sees Thorne, and instead of just getting out of the car, she starts honking the horn and screaming. But the girls are making drinks in the blender and don't hear her. She falls down, and Thorne gives her the drilling she didn't want. 
<laughs> death number five that's good oh the clear drill dick symbolism man it was so on the <laughs> nose he's just standing over her and the shot of course is from yes his, from the back of him through his legs looking at uh was it diane yes yeah Yes, looking at Diane as she cowers in fear with this big drill dangling between his legs. I mean, how on the nose could you possibly get? Uh, it would have to be on her nose, really. <laughs> <laughs> because I thought if the, it, the drill as a phallic symbol wasn't clear up until this point, it just really lays it home that, yeah, this is exactly what it is. It's trying to show these empowered women that they're independent, they're having a good time together at the slumber party. And the drill killers come to get him with his phallic symbol that he's using. Yep. Uh, did Did anyone else make a pun when when our boy got his head cut off? I couldn't stop. I don't think I did. I I was like, it's not time. I just went full Austin Powers. <laughs> I was like, it's not oh, time to lose no. head. It's <laughs> not a way to get ahead in life. We'll never be the head of a major corporation. <laughs> That's a. <laughs> Yeah, right. All right. So Kim is on the phone with their coach asking about the baseball game, basketball game. Sorry. Uh, the night it was, before. It was the baseball game. Baseball this game. This is the game in the whole movie. They would, everybody was trying to figure out who scored the six runs. They kept going back. Like, who scored the fifth run? Who hit a home run? And throughout the whole movie, this was an ongoing like background conversation they were all having. And it was also a reason for one of the girls to be in like a relatively skimpy uh, baseball uniform kind of thing. So it's yep. It was a large Dodgers T-shirt, almost Mm -hmm. a nighty. But yes, so it was they were discussing the finer points of the Dodgers game from the night previous. Okay, I thought you guys were trolling me. but Okay, you're all on the same page. Okay, so the pizza guy shows up. <laughs> we, got him. we got him, guys. I'm going to have to go rewatch this movie. Uh, the pizza guy shows up, and when they open the door, the pizza guy falls forward with his eyes drilled out. Everyone screams, and the coach hears everything before the line goes dead. Trish I tries didn't... to call uh, tries to call for help, but Thorne cuts the phone line. I thought it was a good bit that happened in the movie too, where the two guys in the house, because none of them, nobody knows that there's dead bodies in the garage yet, and they ask the pizza guy, "What's the damage?" And he goes, six so far." And at this point, yes. I didn't notice that. Yeah. So six people so far. Six even so far. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I heard him say six even, yeah, and I was like, it. what was the point? Okay. Yeah. I also, my second thought was, man, pizza was real cheap. <laughs> they ordered just the crust. <laughs> In this economy? <laughs> so Jeff and Neil run out different doors with knives and try to get to Mr. Content's house and Valerie's house. Jeff finds Diane's body in the garage and gets drilled through the shoulder. Cut to Neil banging on Valerie's door, but she can't hear him because she's watching a movie at a billion decibels. (laughs) There was no need for that movie being that loud. No, and it it correlates to like actual sound of the film because it was an extraordinarily loud scene. This was another like uh, homage that screenplay to this movie because in the first scream, I think it was Nev Campbell's character, Sidney Fines, uh, another character, Tatum, played by Rose McGowan. 
she got strung up in the garage, killed in a similar way. She was trying to sneak out the uh, dog door in the garage, and uh, that's how she died. So this might have been a similar way that uh, Diane died too. Mm. So Jeff, Jeff and Neil, uh, when they're planning this kind of like great escape, they're like, did anyone else get the vibe that they were they totally wanted to kiss each other? <laughs> they were talking about oh, may, maybe only one of them is going to make it. They, that was that was the whole movie. They they were they were awkward and weird the whole mil, uh, the whole film. Like they just they should have just kissed. At that point, I started going back and, and sort of like realizing finer points. If you remember them watching the girls get undressed outside the window, like Jeff or Neil, one of them is standing eerily close behind the other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just breathing into his ear. Like, I, I felt like there was some sexual tension between Jeff and Neil as they plotted their great escape to save everyone um, to no avail. So Neil tries to fight off Thorn, but ends up getting stabbed with his own knife. And this is going to be death number six for us. Uh, Thorn drags his body and opens the trunk of John's car where he stashed all the bodies. The remaining girls are scared, but they are still hungry. God, this is a great scene. As they eat the pizza on the back of the dead pizza, man, Jeff is outside the back door bleeding to death. Some of these lines that they say, though, right? Did you guys write them down? I Did you write them down? I hope someone did. I I wrote down this is one of the most like underrated comedic gems in the entire horror genre. Here. Here, I'll I'll give you one and I'll see if anyone else wrote the other one. I have both of them, but I don't want to take the spotlight on both. The first one is, he's cold, is the pizza. <laughs> that stuck yes. in the most. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with cold pizza. I'll have cold pizza any day. So cold body, no, no. Cold pizza, eh, I could deal with it. I thought you were going in a different oh, yeah. direction. I'm, I'm happy that you decided to say no cold bodies. <laughs> Uh, as they put the pizza on the cold body, she eats the pizza and goes, life goes on. <laughs> Not much longer. What a perfectly teenager thing to say, though. The 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 invulnerable teenager of. Eh, all right. <laughs> well, I'm not going to waste this pizza. Hey, nobody should. I don't blame them. They hear whimpering and head to the back door and do nothing while Jeff gets drilled. This is. Death number seven. (laughs) Valerie and her sister, Courtney, go to check on everyone and knock on the door, but no one answers and she leaves. Jackie runs to the door and opens and boo, it's Thorn. And he cuts her throat with the drill. And this is death number eight. I mean, this is when all the kills start coming fast and furious. Mm -hmm. uh, I did notice that at one point I got about to halfway in the movie and nobody from this slumber party has been massacred in Slumber Party Massacre. And at this point, I was kind of disappointed. I wanted to see some more Slumber Party Massacring. Took yeah. about 40 minutes before it happened. I agree. It took a while. And the and film, the film is only what, an hour and hour and yeah, hour and hour and ten, maybe? Hmm. Yeah, it's a relatively short film. Yeah. It's a it's, big build. This is like fireworks on Fourth of July. It's like they they hit the finale and they're just like, murder everyone. (laughs) So Trish and Kim hide in a room, but Thorne sneaks in because he rolls a nat 20 on his sneaking. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yo, quietest like entry through a window ever. Yeah. Holding a drill. 
it it was it was great because they did on the, the second floor. I know, and they did a great turnaround in that like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it was a good scene. I loved it. The way the light was hitting his face, it almost looked like it was photoshopped on. <laughs> yeah. Not like his his face did not look like it belonged in his body at that time. Just the way the light was hitting it. Mm-hmm. So Trish gets away. They like beat him with a baseball bat. For some reason, they didn't bash his brains in. But Trish gets away and hides in her parents' room. But Kim, unfortunately, does not make it. And this is death number nine. This was kind of at the point where I realized, like, if we had just kind of sort of uh, thrown the deaths, like, like cut all the scenes except for the girls dying one right after the other, you just see the sheer disregard these girls have for one another. Like watching them, watching their mm-hmm. friends get brutally murdered. They're just like. Fuck that. We're upstairs now. Oh, <laughs> Trish is dead. Fuck that. It's time to go. Yeah, they 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 did not care. I think the only people who actually cared for each other were the sisters. Yeah. And I'm just going to fully lean into this uh, way people might view me. But if I was in the house with every one of you and we were starting to get off one by one, I'm looking out for number one. I'm going to I'm going to make we sure know. I get out of the house. Yeah, we, we, yeah, know. Yeah, we know. We know. We're that, Mike. <laughs> All right, so let's wrap let's wrap this up. <laughs> Valerie and Courtney come back into the house and Courtney rolls a nat one two times in a row and can't find Kim's body in the fridge that we don't know why he put her body in the fridge, but whatever, he puts her body in the fridge. Uh, they eventually find it, but let's fast forward some more. That I want, that was probably my favorite scene in the movie. She opens the fridge, she's not looking, and uh, Kim's body like kind of slouches down, doesn't fall out. Like, oh, no, I'm not. You can't have this beer. Close the fridge. You're not you're under 21 or whatever. So, uh, sister closes the fridge. And then Courtney's like, but I want to get a juice or something. And so she opens the fridge again. Body slumps out again. So I was like, no, you can't have it. And body goes back up. And the third time, because comedy comes in threes, they find the body. Comedy comes in threes. And uh, this was my favorite scene of this movie. I just could not stop laughing. It was so oh, good. It was, it was sitcom level comedy, and it was perfect. It was perfectly timed. It was perfectly done. I appreciated it. It was it was a good break from all the murder. And it, <laughs> and it didn't change the genre. Like this nope. movie could have easily been just an absolute parody of horror movies. But this was like one of the the shining funny moments in what was no doubtedly like a good horror flick. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's fast forward. Uh, there's some hiding that goes on. Their coach shows up. Unfortunately, their coach dies. Uh, this will be our 10th death. And eventually Valerie ends up outside fighting Thorn with a machete that she found in the basement. She cuts off Thorn's hand. She cuts off the tip of the drill, which is definitely symbolism. Um, as we've already talked about, mm-hmm. this is symbolism yep. about his dick. Um she slices him in the stomach and he falls into the pool, presumably dead over. But uh, in great fashion, as Scream has taught us to this point, we always have to have that final final clash at the end. So he climbs out and there's a small scuffle, but he impales himself on the machete. And with that, our movie ends abruptly. I was going to say, keeping with the D&D theme, he hit a, uh, a nat 20 on his death roll and he's good to go again. He's got one he help for you. He definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> I, just I tell back. you what, there's a lot. 
Yeah, there's a lot to break up, break apart in that, like, you know, five to 10 minute span. Mm-hmm. Um, the it, it kind of builds with that final battle of who can pick out the worst murder weapon um, <laughs> with Trish in the basement. Ultimately, she finally goes with the machete, the clear, correct choice. But she first starts with a with, with a fucking power saw that is That's plugged, plugged into it. the wall. <laughs> yeah. And, and falls down the stairs. Yeah. And then once she actually has the murder weapon, she goes out to Russ Thorne with this like almost fucking happy Gilmore machete offensive approach, man. She's just like cowabunga, motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> which I enjoyed, man. And yeah. I got to say, like, I really just enjoyed that they finally put a fucking body in that pool because they had alluded to it the entire movie mm-hmm. that that pool had just been framed perfectly like we are definitely going to kill someone in this pool and every time there was there was a death i I felt so cheated that i didn't see blood in the water but finally we get it yeah i I noticed that that there was a lot of blood and yeah it it needed to be in that pool for sure yeah i i like the ending it was pretty good it nobody seemed happy like a lot of those movies it 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 ends on like a kind of happy note like we got the killer guys but there there was like a very somber note of like literally everybody died and i was like all right that's a good way to end it that's fine (laughs) yeah i i have expected like an 80s uh you know a slow clap or like just a a walk out of there with a high five or like into the distance but no it was a very like kind of just tears in the background that's fine by Don't me. You forget <laughs> about me. <laughs> I expected it, but it wasn't there, and that's fine. I didn't want it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think uh, if that's it for you, Dan, I think that kind of rounds out the plot. Well, this week we have a new segment that we're doing. It's called the Horrible Friends Special Shoutout. This one goes to a very special place that I've been to many, many times. It's Jones's good-ass barbecue and foot massage. Uh, well, do you love barbecue? Do you love having your feet touched? You should come on down to Jones's good-ass barbecue for a free foot massage with every brisket you buy. It's what I call a barbecue sauce rubdown. Nothing goes better with preparing your food than bare feet. <laughs> Jones's good-ass barbecue and foot massage. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> thanks mike that was fantastic uh i uh, we were always appreciate our sponsors um <laughs> uh yeah so let's go ahead and move on over to uh cinematography this film's great uh, it's it, there's nothing to it. it it it's a good it's a good horror movie um there's uh, all the scenes are pretty well done um Nothing felt cramped or awkward or weird or bad or anything like that. Everything was was pretty well shot, I, I think. You know, for me, you got all your classic uh, slasher movie tropes. You got your jump scares like the cat jumping out of the closet. So it, it hit all its marks. You got the red herring with the neighbor. You thought the neighbor was the killer or could have been some way mm-hmm, involved. Mm-hmm. And he completely wasn't. He just gets offed in the middle of the movie. So I like the cinematography and the way it was done. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they did a good job at the school, that kind of a, that initial or the, the second kill. Uh, I forget her name, but she went back to go get the book. And, uh, you know, it was a long scene, 
but there were some uh, there were some adventurous camera angles, you know, from the roof of the gym, kind of showing like how mm. alone she really was, and you know, it put it 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 definitely set the scene well in, in a lot of ways. It used a lot of senses to do it. Yeah, I, I like the uh, passing through the the locker, uh, the the locker. Um... I don't know sets or whatever you want to call them, but yeah, like when they were when they were passing by, uh, past each uh, chunk of lockers, that, that was pretty nice. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, uh, I guess from there we will go ahead and move on to uh, special effects and uh, CGI or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, <clears throat> I don't, there wasn't like uh, well, the stabbing and the gore that was pretty good. That was all right. I'd say the really only like maybe even like kind of practical effect was when Thorne got his like hand cut off and like sliced across his stomach. I feel like that was the really own like major effect. I mean, yeah, there was also John losing his head. There was also the pizza guy getting both eyeballs. Yeah, I was going to say I, I, I was going to agree with you there, Chris, but then I, I thought about it a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It, it was that was probably the better one when he lost his hand. That was that was solid. But there there were there were a number of them. They were they were well done enough that you were like, oh, OK. They kind of blended in well. So, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, it wasn't like overly bloody, like it wasn't mm-hmm. just blown away out of proportion they were all believable kills they were all done well and uh yeah it was good uh then we will go ahead and move on to uh sound and music 80s Uh, 80s um that's it music was it was fine like you said the the opening music was fantastic the suspenseful stuff it, it blended in well enough that i don't remember it i don't remember calling it out in my own head even um not really it was fine it was pretty good um that was all right a lot of like creaky floorboards a lot of creeping around and and the the drill obviously that that sound was pretty pretty crazy but 80s horror synth man you gotta love it it i mean the movie did a good job of putting us right at right at the time it was it was meant for, um, mm-hmm. yeah, good, good use of a good use of a suspense building kind of tones, uh, some good jump scares, you know, the cat, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Diane's face in the, in the window, uh, everything was very cohesive. Yeah. And like, not, not too much. Like the jump scares weren't too much. The, the, they, they served their purpose. They were fine. They weren't too crazy, but they, it wasn't like 80% of the movie, which was good. Uh, we have to go on to our uh, our rating for spoopiness. What do we um? What do we got, Dan? All right. Well, I actually had an easy one this week. Um, so there were a total of I love cats, as as you guys know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a total of four cats in here. So mm-hmm. since we did dogs for, which one was it? We did the dogs for the thing. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's do cats this time. So zero to four. What would you rate this? On a on a strictly spoopy scale, um, <clears throat> or gross, um, I don't know. Like, uh, I I want to say like a two, right in the middle. Oh, th- there was some there's some good gore. There wasn't it wasn't too bad. Um, wasn't too gross, and I wasn't terribly scared. Uh, I think I was more annoyed at the characters for their like stereotypical, you know, getting murdered thing. But it wasn't bad. Yeah, I'm about on the same page. Just as Pure spoopiness out of four cats. I would give about one and a half cats. Spoopy wise. Because the jump scares, even though they, they weren't like scary jump scares, just the overall tone and 
the stalking killer and you know his presence was looming throughout the whole movie it was a little spoopy but not overly spoopy mm. yeah I'm, I'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with mike I, i'm i'm between like a 1.5 to 2 definitely um i think i don't think it was particularly scary mm-hmm. um especially for today's day and age of things that we've seen in our horror movies now but um trying to put myself in that spot of like the 80s with like when people felt a little more comfortable with like leaving their doors unlocked um i i guess i'm leaning more towards a two in thinking about that like i think for the time i think it's pretty creepy um yeah i'm gonna go with a two for spoopiness yeah, um, keeping keeping the time in mind. Yeah, I I think I'm with you, Dan. Man, uh, yeah, two, um, and, and and for a number of reasons, I, I think I think this was uh, probably for its time pretty creepy, man. You look back at some of some other movies, uh, you know, two years prior is when we got uh, you know Friday the Thirteenth, the the first Friday the Thirteenth, and it used a lot of the same formulas, um, you know, in terms of you know, you know, just making bodies kind of like hang from the rafters. Um, you know, a lot of really smart plays that probably uh, that probably freaked a few people out. And I'd just like to say that this movie had every had every opportunity to not take itself seriously and and be a lot less than what it was. Um, and it even though it was fun and it was playful, like it was still a it was still a good horror movie, man. So I'm going two kitty cats. Mm-hmm. And pretty much just to keep up with the theme with the rest of you guys, I'm also going to go with uh, two adorable little kitty cats. Wasn't really scared at any point. I mean, on edge every now and then just because of like the music getting tense and jump scares here and there. But yet, not really spooked at any point. Unsettled at some moments when I did actually notice like in the background, like Thorne was like hiding in a bush in like random spots. Like they'd open the door to let someone in and I saw his face just in a bush Mm -hmm. in front of the door. Like, oh, fuck. But yeah, it's just very solid my opinion so pretty much a consensus and i think it i think it's interesting um uh i I think that we collectively almost all really like this movie um it was it was like it was kind of a good time it was it was fine i i don't know if other critics agree with that or not but like i i had a i had a good time watching it so i i appreciated the film it was of its time it was saying stuff and having female characters that weren't um just straight just straight garbage um even though they were over sexualized it they were they all survived longer than any of the guys and all the guys were just absolute useless characters which i I think was a good role reversal especially for the 80s it was pretty cool Um, i overall like this movie i feel the same way that the uh all the women in this movie did have their own independent personalities yeah, they might have been over-sexualized a little bit. And I don't think that was the... I don't want to call the point of the movie, but that's how a lot of these slasher movies went, where a bunch of barely clothed women get together in a isolated place and the killer comes to get them. It's kind of a very common theme mm-hmm. in these types of movies. And they all have the final girl figure, like we did with Valerie, where... Everybody else dies, and then the killer comes to get her, and she winds up defeating the killer. It's a common theme that always goes on. You see in Halloween, you see it in a lot of movies like that. So it was a good movie. Overall, I'd recommend it. All right, so here's where I disagree. Um, 
so uh, on movies such as uh, goofy movies like Deathbed or uh, things like that, I'll say I love these movies. Uh, this is a movie where I have to kind of take a look at this in a serious lens because this movie does want to be a serious horror movie. Um, now, the screenplay writer, Rita Mae Brown, originally wanted this, as we said earlier, to be a parody. Um, however, the movie was produced against her wishes um, and made into more of a serious one. Rita Mae Brown is a highly intelligent woman. She has her PhD. Uh, she is a self-proclaimed feminist. And I see these things and I hear these things about this movie. And I, I saw that after I watched it. When I finished it the first time, I finished it and thought that was nothing special. To me, that's nothing special, especially looking at movies that have come before that. The Thing was made that year. And I, although I do think The Thing was done ahead of its time, um, I think movies like that are setting the bar of what serious horror movies should be trying to do. Um, so when I read that Rita Mae Brown came and wanted this to be a parody, um, and I could clearly tell that wanted to make fun of like the tropes of women in horror movies being damsels in distress, I was very disappointed to see that we are stuck still with these uh, lame tropes that we see in all these horror movies of these of these women over sexualized. Um, so from that perspective, I was very disappointed in the movie. I'm not going to sit here and say that you shouldn't watch the movie. I, I think it's a classic in its own right, but I think you should go into it and understand that um, and try to look at it through that lens. If you're going to, if you want to just sit down and have fun with a horror movie, it's a good movie to sit down and have a good time with. So I would suggest it, but just look at it through that broad lens when you're doing it. It's fair. No, extremely fair. I feel like you can tell that with like, she wanted to be more of like a satire because at times, like just the way it's shot, like I can feel that, but then just in moments it's shot to be like a satire or parody, but there's this, serious tone that just in moments for me just didn't fit it yeah i think they they jump they jump back to it because i think when you're when you're talking about some satire you can kind of talk about like you know scary movie style satire right like it's straight up comedy and satire but the the bad guy was never um he was never like relinquished of his role of being a bad guy. He was consistently the bad guy and he was still an imposing threat on these girls. So yeah, I, I could see how her parody might've and definitely was kind of strewn um, because they, yeah, I feel like they, they left half the scenes where she was like, isn't this kind of a joke guys? And then uh, left. Cause like the, 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 we mentioned that the drill scene, uh, sorry, a lot of the drill scenes, but the, the drill scene where he has it hanging between his legs, like obviously perfect shot. It was great. But um, then you go on to like, he gets like good actual murders going on. And it's just like, okay, uh, it, it's, it's weird that they had to splice two thought processes into this film. So I, don't know, I agree. I agree on all points with that. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps us up. Uh, we went a little long, probably this episode, but um, hope you guys don't mind too much. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the folk and folks who do our art and music. Um, uh, our art is done by Connor McLeod. 
you can see the information in the description of the podcast uh, and in the episode. You can also uh, check out our music, our intro and outro music. That's in by Andrew Cavanaugh. Uh, his information is also in our uh in our descriptions and uh besides that um yeah uh, i guess tune in next time for our uh our fun stuff if you guys have any uh questions for us you're welcome to to shout out at our twitter i believe we are at horrible f that's the best we could do uh and we also have an instagram around the same name uh you can welcome follow us there we kind of do some updates there ask us any questions um we'll make some polls whatever you guys want to do um and then um yeah i guess chris do you have anything you would like to tell our lovely listeners thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time What was the guy's name? She's like, Stallone? No, the guy. Oh, no, like the guy. Oh, that's Gordon. (laughs) That was Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) He'll do. Yeah, that's what it was. It was like, Gordon. That explains why you were just so attached to it. Yeah, I forgot what scene it was. But yeah, Gordon, it was like, Gordon (laughs) likes to go on long walks on the beach. And he's a a PhD candidate. And that'll do. I was like, Gordon. (laughs) Gordon.